This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 571 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, Total Saddle Fit, and Surefoot Equine Stability Program. On tonight's show, our guests include regular Wendy Murdoch, as well as we got a Horse Radio Network auditor, Emily Benz, on to help us review Sandra Beaulieu's book on freestyles. For our Total Saddle Fit tip, we are joined by equine dentist, Dr. Brad Tanner. Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from middle of nowhere, Ontario this week. <laughs> and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Hi, Phil. Yes, you're traveling this week. I am traveling. I happened to go and get a COVID test so that I could come up and uh, drive a few hours to come and see my parents for, for a couple of days. Did you, so in Canada, you, you literally have to get a COVID test before you move around. No, but was that, that was a pretty okay. pretty darn good Aww. idea. That's what I think. I think, oh, yeah, because, again, we have our parents are getting up there, you know? So, yeah. oh, that's so I awesome. I just wanted to be safe and, and get Aww. the all clear. And I just thought, I mean, here in Canada, we're very lucky to be able to just, you know, book an appointment or just go up to a COVID-tested center and just get a test and get a result within a couple of days. That's fantastic. So I can tell everyone that it's not the most pleasant experience. But it only takes, you know, 10 seconds or a little, little longer than 10 seconds with the plunger up the nose and uh, you know, into your and, brain. And, oh. and, and it was done. Okay. So, well, and then you fine. could you could go see your family, which is awesome. Yeah. So yes, we can get, get well out of the house it. a little bit. Get out of the house. Get, yeah. Yeah. Take, put the training horses on, on hold for a few days and love it. And just do that. Yeah. Good. Really pleased. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. So uh, everybody, we think Phil sounds pretty good, but if it's funny, he's in the middle of nowhere, Canada. So uh, <laughs> bear with us this week. But Phil, it is our anniversary. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> <laughs> it is. Everybody chatting about it. Uh, yeah, about it's, yeah. Uh, it's eight years. Eight you know, years hosting <sighs> this show. If anybody wow. wants to go back and listen to how <laughs> we were not good. I'm not saying that we're like awesome now, but we were definitely not awesome. Early no, we on. were terrible. Yeah. But Glenn was nice enough to, I guess, allow us to to keep hosting and to get better and work on our skills and and I, yeah. I think I think we've improved some. Anyways, yeah. And, so you first you first came on the show uh, June 21st, 2012. I started a couple episodes earlier at uh, episode 157. And then we worked on kind of finding the right co-host. And I'm so lucky we we landed on Phil and we have been friends ever since. We truly are friends off the air. And so we hope you guys enjoy. Phil is, is my work husband for sure. So it's <laughs> quite fun. But so we started together at episode 160. So we are on 571 now. So it's not a true accurate number because technically that's 411 episodes, but we ha- started at some point where we do three episodes a month. So we can't promise you exactly where we, we 
veered off that but to to any to anyone who has listened to all the episodes and i think i know a couple of the auditors that have bless you thank you for listening <laughs> yes thank, thank you, you. Bless you we apologize for all of the early ones and at some point maybe <laughs> two years in they started to get better and um, and we have to thank all of our guests that have come on all, over the all the years because yeah. you know without, without guests and experts we don't have a show no so we can only talk so much together yeah <laughs> and we, we have great producers yeah, yeah we're lucky we have great producers paul is our producer now and and you guys have been so fun during this covid pandemic we've really you know i look forward to thursday nights when just when we're we bond, record bonding experience yeah work bonding you know which is exactly right we get we chat about what's going on you know in our area but basically in our country because Yep. This is American yeah, Canadian and Paul is English. So we just give it, you know, we yeah. updates from the, from the countries and yeah, it's, it's, fun. it's been really fun. It's quite an experience. It's been a fun so, experience. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, 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 we joke because I, I did tell Glenn I would do this for three months and here we are eight years later and um, Phil and I have been able to go to so many different things and do so many, so just some amazing experiences and talk to so many amazing people and I guess for me, I on this podcast journey now people know what podcasts are. Eight years ago, I literally got no. you're doing you do what? It was yeah, it was very hard to to get our guests to figure out that we we're just going to call them and record a conversation and <laughs> oh, yeah. it was a struggle. It was really a struggle. It was a struggle in the beginning. It really was, but now you know it's it's a, no, obviously. Yeah, we get it. People get it. And no, I mean, truly, you know, you look back sometimes in anniversaries and think, gosh, wow, what are the things we've done? And we have, we're really, really honored that we get to talk to you every week. And we hope we, we work with your horses a little bit and make, make your lives a little better and that you enjoy the show. So we're very thankful that you listen and we're very thankful for this position. And we look forward, I mean, eight years more eight years more, you know, you never know. I never thought we would yes. be doing this eight years yes. in. But so. we're gonna keep we're gonna keep doing it a bit uh, a little bit longer, right? Yeah, so. exactly. We're we're <laughs> doing it, so uh, we enjoy it and we enjoy um, our friendship and and working together and we enjoy you guys as well. So thank you all for listening. Thanks to all our sponsors as always. But Phil, we we have a great show this week. I actually have a horse show this week coming up. Yeah, venture out. That's awesome. Awesome. We, Love to hear it. Yeah, we'll we'll let you know. This is Big Mike. This is Follow Me's. You guys have been a part of his journey. I've owned him, gosh, eight and a half, uh, sorry, four and a half years. He's eight now, and certainly Phil's been part of his training journey, and uh, it's fun. I'm going to do my first pre-St. George. I Phil, you've been very proud of me today. I pulled out. It was fairly ch- cool. It's not chilly here, but it was cooler today. So I pulled my shad belly out because I thought, oh, oh you know. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we talked never... about that last week. You better, yeah, you better get that <laughs> thing you better. Get this thing on to make sure he's good. He was he was fine. Um, yeah, but fine. I will tell everyone, don't forget that the first time you ride a pre-St. George because the horses do have a little different feel from the shad belly and you should train in it. So I trained in my shad belly today. And Does yours have you the know, weights in the tails? It does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's got a little yeah. weight. And Big Mike's a little sensitive to sound. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, they, so. they flick around and he's a little sensitive to sound. So he does go in the, the bonnets that you're the ear bonnets okay. that are a little yeah. stronger. Uh, Mikey's always gone in those. He He's a little bit sensitive. So it'll be really fun. I'm looking forward to it. It'll be fun to, to have an FEI horse, knock on wood. Everybody can hear it. But I'll let you all know. I'll give you a full report on the horse show. This particular horse show is a, at a local farm. And it is a recognized show, but it's very, very small. It's a one ring show. It's on a Wednesday. So 
I thought this would be kind of a good way to get my feet wet and see how a horse show is going. So I'll let you guys know. I'll report back. But if anybody has a horse show experience and they want to let us know how it goes, we would love that. And we can share it. You can send it to Reese at horseradionetwork.com or Philip at horseradionetwork.com. We would be happy to share it. So yeah, that's all I have going on, Phil. You're on holiday a little bit. And and we've been, Yeah. yeah busy down here. So uh, all is well, but we have a great show for everybody today. We hope you enjoy our anniversary show, but we are going to start with our guest, Emily. She's going to go through our book club book, and we hope you enjoyed our selection this, this time. And we look forward to our next book club. We're working on that now, but Emily is a horse radio network auditor. And if you want more information on the auditor program, go to horseradionetwork.com. That's how we keep the network going and in special perks uh, like reviewing the book club book comes in. So we hope you enjoy Emily's review of our book club book this month. Well, this is always one of our favorite segments because as you guys know, we have a book club here at the Dressage Radio Show and our book club book has been Freestyles, the ultimate guide to riding and training and competing to music by Sandra Beaulieu. She is lovely. We had the interview. She came on and talked about her book, but we are honored today to have one of our Horse Radio Network auditors, Emily, on the show. She read the book, and she's going to give us an awesome review. Emily, welcome. Hi. <laughs> Thank you for having <laughs> we are, me. We're happy to have you on tonight. So you have got to tell us a little bit about yourself and why you wanted to read this book. So I'm very, I, I'm just drawn to music. I think I've been drawn to music since I was little. And when I was kind of doing all my thoughts and everything for this interview, I realized that I have a reason for that. So I learned how to ride in kind of a backyard program, but then my parents put me in traditional English lessons, you know, at a a little hunter jumper barn. And the culmination of every year's camp was a riding routine to music. And all of a sudden that memory popped in my head and I thought, oh my gosh, the Eagles. I listened to the Eagles all the time to this particular routine that we did. I mean, I can still remember the line of the song where we change rain and all kinds of stuff. So <laughs> I think it was just, it was like kismet, you know, or serendipitous that I was supposed to read this book because of my love of music and, and obviously my love of horses too. So, so tell us, I mean, you know, the, the idea of the book is there's, there's lots of different things. There's, there's how you can do a freestyle, how you can do a Western freestyle, some choreography ideas. And then it has just some general, like, how can you ride to music for fun? So which part were you drawn to the most? Well, something that was really interesting that I didn't know about the book until I got into it was it, yeah, they have English or they have dressage freestyles. They have Western dressage. I learned a few things about Western dressage in the book also, but they also go into Liberty freestyles and reigning freestyles and then like performance stuff like Arabian nights and that kind of thing. So that was really I don't know. I opened my eyes a little bit to the possibility of using music with your horses. And um, for me personally, I actually use music a lot before I ride younger horses. <laughs> so I have, I have three horses and all three of them are green. <laughs> so before I ride them, I will a lot of times put my headphones on and listen to certain music that kind of amps me up or calms me down or whatever I need for the day. And then sometimes I'll leave the music on in the background while I ride, just because I think that it really helps at the tone 
kind of your emotions. And I don't know, I think music is super, super powerful. And I think that translates over to writing and freestyles really, really well. So, I mean, obviously there's a reason why people do it. So, yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I, no, it does. <laughs> I mean, I, no, I love it because I also ride to music. I, I have it on a lot of times I'm in, the, in my arena riding my own horses in the morning from like eight to noon. So I'm in there by myself and I like people, obviously that's why I do this job. Um, <laughs> but you know, I, I'm, by the way, yeah. for everybody that, yeah. I do like people. I like, I like people. It was very hard when I couldn't see people. So I like people and I like, you know, music and I agree just even having some music on, I, I, you know, have my favorite stations and sometimes I like, you know, like, do I want this station or do I want that? And it kind of pumps you up. Or if I have to do kind of a bigger session, you know, I put on some, you know, I don't know, some, like I have a workout video. I like or music. I like, so I agree with that. I mm-hmm. think that riding to music is so nice. And have you had any thoughts of doing your, own freestyle i have and i actually came up with music for my horse <laughs> yeah, so i good. have a new horse i got her last year she's a, a dutch warm blood and i have this like you know pie in the sky dream that we'll do pre-saint george or something like that you know like in the future i'm i'm 38 or i'll be 38 this year so i'm like okay she's the same she's born on the same day as me like we have all these like really cool things together I'm like you are my old horse reincarnated we are going to do you know high level dressage together and so then this book totally got my like mind working and I've heard a few songs that have definitely I mean I wrote them down I put them in different files I put them in like her file you know her I have my horse and all their vaccinations and all that stuff, you know, put into files. And I put the songs that I want to use in the future with her in the file because it was super inspiring to see all the different, I mean, she goes in the the author of this book. I don't know how long it took her to write it because it is as in depth of a book as you could possibly imagine. Just went from like things like 20 meter circle choreography choices, like, you know, top of the arena, bottom of the arena, middle diagonally, you know, I mean, it's just every, possibility that you could think of she included in there and so I have my songs now and then now I just have to you know I have however many years I want to kind of put the put the legwork into to getting it all together and doing the choreography so yeah you, you know uh, what I think is cool is you can take some of some of the the music choices and have certain pieces that you can put in a first level freestyle and then try to adapt it to your second level freestyle and I think, of course, the horse is going to change, a, you know, a bit and your tempos are going to be a little bit different. But, uh, I mean, if you can do it yourself on some programs or, or have a friend or have an expert kind of help you along with that, you can change the tempo w- within a certain range. But I think what would be neat is to have have a certain piece of music, even if it's just a piece of a song that you could take with you through each of the levels of freestyles that you're, you know, maybe we'll end up at pre St. George one day. And, you know, it's just, it's, I think it's just a good experience. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's really neat to be able to, um, I think music is such a creative thing, but it's also, um, I remember I took music theory in college and I took music theory one. It was great. I took music theory two and it was way too mathematical for me because even (laughs) though it's, creative it's almost like dressage where uh, after a certain point you can't just kind of rest on your laurels and expect that you can do things with it without actually being educated in it and taking a long time and musicians don't become accomplished you know cellists or pianists or something you know overnight it's the same with 
with dressage. That's why I have, I have like a 15 year goal for me and my horse. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Uh, I, I like that, that like that, that ties in. And the other thing that really was interesting to me when thinking more about music, and I did actually think about this book and, and music a lot while I've been writing. And I thought this is my first writing instructor. I remember her talking about, there's always a, a base, I mean, a pyramid of training and it's kind of changed over the years from what I remember it being. But I do remember that tempo and one other thing was kind of the base of the training pyramid rhythm. that you that you think rhythm. about. Rhythm, and, tempo. Uh, yeah. Rhythm. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> rhythm. rhythm. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> musical too. Yeah. Rhythm and tempo. And then it's like, oh my gosh, well, no wonder music and dressage go so well together. Yeah. Music and anything, that, any kind of writing that you really want to put it to. It's really, it kind of opened my eyes a little bit. It was really fun to just kind of daydream and think about it and think about music and think about songs well, and <laughs> I will be honest too. So, so I ended up going through to get the, the freestyle bars. That was one of the things I thought, Oh, you know, I really, I really want to do this. And I will tell you, I had one wonderful uh, Miss Pam, uh, Phil knows her. She's absolutely my most dearest client. She's wonderful. And her horse, we've been going through the levels with him first level, second level, we're working on third level and he's an Andalusian. And so there are some challenges as we go through the levels. You know, I love him, but it's been really fun because I have done a freestyle with him at every level. And so I've done some lower level ones now. And it was really fun to do with my client and her horse. And we work together on the music. And I, I'm not able to uh, cut and paste and, and magically put it together. So we did have a, a choreographer that helped us with it and she was fantastic. And I will be honest now, as I have students going through the levels, I really encourage them because I, I know they're even on the auditor page, there's a chasing the bronze medal. As you're chasing your bronze medal, chase your bronze freestyle bar medal too because it's it's you're doing it together and a lot of times maybe you've you have just worked really hard on the technical side and it's fun to kind of take a little step away and work on the freestyle and the technical side so i have sort of changed my you know w with all my students as well I, I i make sure i tell them like you know you can get a bronze freestyle bar medal too so i have a couple students that are working on that one has already gotten her bronze medal and she has gone back now. She's actually this week going to do a second level freestyle. And then we'll do a third level freestyle. So I will encourage people. So I actually rent mine now. The ones that I've done, if they work out with the horses, I actually rent them for the year. So that is something you can talk to someone about. Because once, once you do it and you, you know, Marcus, for example, went to the national championships at first level and second level freestyle. Um, we, we moved on. We, we decided not to use those anymore. So I will encourage everyone if it's really daunting. Now I do rent them. I rent them per year. Uh, so if you have a friend that maybe has done it, that is a good way. If, if the music, uh, we use a fairly generic music and the patterns are fairly simple so that the next person can do them. So that's just something too, that I like to throw out with freestyles that if it's really daunting and maybe your first one or two, you can sort of ask a friend or take a friend to dinner or something and borrow theirs and, and just get your feet wet before you get into actually the choreography. So that's something oh, I will throw out there. Cool. Yeah. It's not well, something I thought about, but yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's the benefit of talking to two trainers because both of you, I did not know that you could do a freestyle at the lower levels. 
Yeah. So maybe I'll just take that music and do it now and play with it for. Absolutely. You know, do it. Yes. Yeah. Do it on your way up, you know, so that way you're, you're, you're doing it along with your technical tests. Uh, you know, in the United States, you have to get a 63% at the highest test of the level. So first three, I did not, I, I don't know, have any experience with training level freestyles only first level and on. And I know they do training levels now. I I've helped some pony clubbers with, with them, but we did the first level ones and yeah, absolutely. Do it on your journey up so that you're kind of doing them together. So, and, and, you know, you're already showing at that level, you're already going to horse shows. So it's something I think that is, that is really good, but this book is fantastic. Cause like you said, it sort of opens the door to, um, some fun parts of freestyles. And it's, I think it did a really, like you said, she, it, it's very in-depth and she did a great job on, um, going through it and how you do it and how you pick music. And uh, it's definitely one of those books that if you are thinking about a freestyle, absolutely recommend it. Wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was, it, they, she had so much stuff in there that was so interesting to me, just that I had, would never have considered just things like if your horse has a good walk, go along this line. If it doesn't have a very good walk, go on the diagonal and things like that, that I just had never or even like what piece of music you should time with your horse, depending on what kind of gait they have, whether it's walk, trot or canter, if your horse doesn't have this, a very good trot or isn't very good at the trot in this way, you know, collective work, everything. I mean, it just, it's really, really cool because you just don't think about the fact that if it's the, the highlight part of the music, you don't want the highlight part of the music to be on your horse's ugliest gait. <laughs> so, <laughs> And those are things that I just, I thought I read that and I thought, well, that makes so much sense, but I would never have even considered that being part of it because I think more, you know, rhythm and tempo than, you know, than the showing part of it, which that is excellent showmanship to think of that, you know, I think these are all things that that she's, that she's learned from experience. So she's just (laughs) experience and giving everybody wonderful advice all about it. You know, uh, she certainly is kind of the, the freestyle expert. Yeah. And well, and it was funny because it made me realize that I live kind of out in Timbuktu. So I need to find a dressage trainer. And this kind of highlighted that I need to, to me, okay, I need to start taking lessons again and, and finding the professional. So I need to put my feelers out there. If there's anybody that, you know, is out in the middle of nowhere that I can trailer to, or that wants to come to me, it's, it's another part of the daunting thing of having horses. And I live in California, so it's, not super, super horsey, you know, so it was good well, to Emily, read real, that kind of stuff in a book. Yeah. Real quick. We'll answer that because I bet you there's other people that are listening. USDF has a great list of certified instructors throughout the country. So I would recommend people if you're like, are moving to an area or like yourself, Emily, you're like, oh, I live in the middle of nowhere. Go to the USDF website in the United States for our listeners around the world. You can, I'm sure that each country has a, a similar service. National Federation. Yeah. National, national Federation, Federation. Yeah. Yeah. Go to your national federation, which is in the US, it's USDF, and they will give you a list of certified instructors. Now, for example, there's only two certified instructors in Kentucky, me and one other person in Louisville. But if someone were to connect with me and say, you know, I'm, I'm in this part of Kentucky and I need some help finding someone, we're a really good resource. And that would be the same in California. They can give you, and you can look on the list on who's the kind of the closest or, or give someone a call. And that's a great way to do it. So I wanted to answer that question because I, I thought that was a really good question that I'm sure other people have. And, and then again, there are other trainers now 
amazing the COVID age, a lot of people are doing internet lessons where you can, you can get lessons online. So that's also, if there's a trainer that you like, Phil and I actually, we both do it, you know, where, where we have students all over the country. Uh, so that's another service that has come through COVID for people that are looking for trainers. So that to answer that question, sorry, I wanted to jump in real quick on that. No, thank you. Thank you. No, I love that idea too, of the internet stuff. I think that that yeah. is, it's cringeworthy as it is when I, whenever I videotape myself or take myself riding. And then I see it later. I'm like, who do I look like that? <laughs> no, it's great. Well, Emily, we can't thank you so much for coming on the show. This was great. And thank you for, for being our reviewer of freestyle, the ultimate guide to riding and training and competing to music by Sandra Boya. We appreciate it. And we look forward to hearing all your riding goals. Thank you for having me. Well, we're going to have a short break from Kentucky Performance Products. And as always, they're a fantastic company and we appreciate all their support here in the Horse Radio Network. We're going to come back after that with Wendy Murdoch. Vitamin E is a powerful antioxidant that supports healthy muscle and nerve function by limiting cellular damage. Green grass is the best source of vitamin E for horses, but most horses don't spend enough time grazing to meet their needs. Hay, grain, and winter pasture provide little to no natural vitamin E. To ensure your horse's vitamin E requirements are met, choose Elevate. Elevate contains a readily available source of natural vitamin E. Elevate is cost-effective and easy to feed. To learn more about Elevate, visit the Kentucky Performance Products website at kppusa.com. Well, tonight we are so happy to have Wendy Murdoch of the Murdoch Method and Surefoot Pads on for her monthly segment. We always love when you're here. How are you today? I'm actually real, doing really well, thanks. I, I, I feel like I'm finally starting to catch up after being home for three months. I'm, I know, <laughs> isn't it weird? Yeah, it like, sounds I'm, crazy, but, yeah. you know, when you live on the road, which I've lived on the road now for I don't know how many years, in this past couple of years, it's been really busy because Surefoot's been taking off, that I got home in March and I, I have literally not stopped. And I'm finally today feeling like, oh, I can start to look at some things that really aren't high priority and just kind of catch up on some, you know, just some office clutter, which is just like really amazing that it's taken me this long to get to that point. No judgment, girl. Like, I feel like it's still March 280th. I still feel like we're in March. I'm like, what? It's June. How did that happen? I'm not ready. I know. know. I'm not ready. And it is summer. Yeah. Summer's around the corner, but... Um, but I, I did add to my workload by deciding to do some webinars. And when I started back in March, I had done a couple, a friend of mine, Violet Van Hees, and we talked about vagal nerve and Dr. Stephen Peters from Evidence-Based Horsemanship. And, and we talked about the horse's brain. And I thought, well, I'll just start doing these webinars and just see what happens. Well, I'm on webinar number 65 that I completed today. So since March, I've done 65 webinars with some of the most amazing people, uh, all equine professionals in all different areas. And it's and it's while it's been a bit time consuming, that just kind of added to my to my day. It's just been so amazing, and the feedback I'm getting is just driving me to keep going. It's just so wow. incredible. So I don't know That's if you've listened to any of them or heard any of them, but I know I started out with just some close friends and now I'm starting to expand out in the world. But like I've had Dr. Bowker on for uh, twice and Dr. Bowker used to be at uh, Michigan State University and he studies horses feet and looks at the neurology and he's he's a super cool guy, but he's a hermit. And so I got him on and went for two hours and then 
we came back for another two hours and, and he's had over almost 2000 views on that webinar, which is amazing. That's wow. amazing. And, and yeah. you know, we know because, you know, we do the show, actually we, Paul, Paul does the show. We do the recording. I mean, they, it, it's time consuming. Like the fact you've done 65 webinars, it's literally insane. Like, I'm bowing to you right now. That that's incredible. But I, I <laughs> do think you're a worker. You're a worker. Yeah, I'm like Wendy. Yes, how does she do that? <laughs> you're always doing every, everything. It's just so. Yep. Yeah. Well, wow. it's been so great because you know a lot of these people have incredible information, but it doesn't get out to the horse world because they're either scientists or they're they're not technologically like I've had to teach a lot of people how to use zoom webinars and so i do a little test zoom webinar with them to make sure that they can figure out the sound and everything and screen share and so it's just it's you know we had felicitous she came on she was mm -hmm. at number 20 and um jillian kreinberg bring she was fabulous um she was actually on memorial day number 48 and she's had over a thousand views on my youtube channel but it, people have been loving the information and some of these one of them was two and a half hours long and people just stayed with the topic and the conversation for the whole two and a half hours. I mean, I didn't even realize it was that long until I did something and suddenly the clock appeared on my screen again because it kind of disappeared. And I was like, oh, wow, I can't believe it. But wow. these, yeah, it's really amazing. But the people have so much fabulous information. A lot of it's about the hoof, but you know, no hoof, no horse is one of the oldest statements I think there is about horses. And so a lot of it has to do with feet because of surefoot, obviously. And, and a lot of these people have experience with surefoot. So they'll talk about it a little bit, you know, in terms of how they've been using it or the, the things that they've seen, but not everybody has experience with surefoot and it's not a requirement. I just, you know, am really excited to be able to bring this information out to the general equine population. Well, Wendy, we, we have very, very loyal listeners, but for if we have anybody new joining the program, give a real quick synopsis of Surefoot. So if they don't know what it is, what is Surefoot? So um, in 2012, I discovered that if you put a horse on an unstable surface, they'll change their balance, behavior, and movement. They basically become self-aware and they self-correct, which is like, so amazing because we tend to not think of horses as being able to become self-conscious, self-aware, but by placing them on surefoot pads and the pads come in four different densities and two different styles, flats and slants. And starting with one foot, I always tell people start with one foot and keep it really short. Um, but the horses reorganize themselves. And so one of my questions, because I was a scientist at UK, actually, I got my degree in equine reproductive physiology, my master's degree. My question's always been, how is Surefoot working? And because we don't have the research right now, I, one of my thoughts behind the webinars was, let's just go ask everybody who has experience and knowledge in different areas and see what they have to say. And Great so, yeah, yeah. And so one awesome. of the most favorite webinars that I've done is with Martina Neerdhart. She's a vet in Switzerland and she talks about fascia. And I didn't realize that fascia is like formed during the process of, you know, after egg and sperm unite and the starts to multiply in the cells or something called a blastomere, which is basically think of a blob of cells, kind of like egg, uh, frog spawn. And, and there's fascia there already. And so the fascia is such an old system in terms of our, our whole body. And they talk about it having an intelligence and being like a pre-nervous system. Um, and so, you know, there's the fascia that we're affecting with Surefoot because when the horse stands on the pads, it's affecting 
through the foot, the fascia, and the deep digital flexor and the extensor tendons. And Dr. Bowker talks about, you know, the structures in the foot and the digital cushion and, you know, what happens when you have a negative plane in the coffin bone and how that's putting stress and, and the lamina. And so, you know, we start to, we, there's this myxoid cell that the foot can regenerate if we take the stress off of it. And so, Surefoot's influencing the horse through standing on an unstable surface, the surefoot pads. And of course, that's how you meet the ground is through your foot. So if your foot isn't meeting the ground in a secure way, then you're not grounded and solid. You can't evaluate your world. You don't feel secure. And so then we got into conversations with some different farriers and barefoot trimmers and hoof people talking about what is a balanced foot. And so that's been a fascinating conversation. And Daisy Bicking's been on a couple of times. She's marvelous. But then, of course, there's this whole idea that horses have their own language and they communicate with us. And how do we understand what they're saying? Well, then I bring in Sharon Wilsey from Horse Speak, and she's been using Surefoot with her horses. And she has one horse that's blind and the horse was really unsteady on its feet, not sure about the paddock. And they did Surefoot with this horse. And she went out into the field and started doing flying changes. So Sharon can watch videos that I show on the YouTube channel, uh, sorry, on the webinar, and she can decode and encode what's happening. Like she can watch the tail flick and see what, when it's processing through the horse. So Horsebeak is really amazing in terms of how that relates with Surefoot. And we have a lot of people now combining the ideas. It's just really fantastic. Wow. Yeah. This is amazing. Amazing resources and amazing people you're talking to. And what I love about this is that it's all like you're doing it all for free. Yeah. You're just putting it out there in the world and anybody can come and pick it up. Yep. You know, I just, I, I just felt from the beginning that it, that this was, we needed some, to do something during the pandemic that was keeping our mind sort of occupied and thinking and fresh and, and being positive. And so I was like, I'm just going to do these webinars. And I started, you know, calling people. And what's great is like people come and they show up and I'm sometimes I'm really nervous or I can't get them on right away. You know, Zoom isn't perfect. And if they can't get their screen to share or something. So there's sometimes there's technical difficulties. And one time Bob Balker, he still hasn't come back for his third time because there was a huge storm from Cristobal when it went up through Michigan and he's lost power. And so Dr. Sybil Moley from Italy was coming on to watch his webinar and I recruited her and on the spot, she pulled up a webinar and talked about conditioning in horses right then and there. Wow. So the community is amazing. I have some people that I think they've been at every single webinar, you know, yeah. start to see regular names, but you know, all That's the information cool. is on my Surefoot Equine YouTube channel. Um, and I'm just going to, I'm going to just keep doing this as long as I can, because there's a, people give me names of who to ask for guests. And of course I want both of you guys as my guests. So now I've said it on, on, on the radio. I know. <laughs> really have to happen. Have I'm excited yeah. that I get to do my hair and put a cute shirt on. Like, let's be real. I'm like, wow. Yes. Win. Like I, I can. Reese, Reese is dying, yeah. dying to get out in the world. And I'm, I am I so dying. I'm so I'm ready. I'm like, yes, 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 yes. I'll yeah. But no, okay, it's great. true. So it's I'll, true. I'll email you and we'll get a date set up. But you know, it's it's like the one thing about the pandemic, and that's what I've said to a lot of people, you know, sometimes we just, we don't change because it's too easy to keep doing what we're doing. And we need something to happen to force us to reevaluate and reconsider what we're doing, whether that's, you know, we have an injury or a horse has an injury or the pandemic. And so, you know, it's forced us to actually have to evaluate things, to stop for one thing, we had to stop. And then to sit there and go, is this really important in my life? And then what do I really want to know? And what do I really want to do? Mm -hmm. And so 
it gives us this opportunity to to self-reflect the way the horses do on the surefoot pads. They self-reflect and decide what do we want to do? You know, what's what feels right? Because some people are actually losing their jobs and they're having to completely reevaluate. I have some friends in those situations. And I know that something better is going to come out of it. It just it just seems to me that that's what's going on. But it feels awful, right? It feels yeah. awful when you can't no, go visit good. your friends and no, it's hard. It's hard. And you know, again, we you know we've t- we've talked about it, Phil and I. We've gotten the same thing. We've had some really amazing guests that we would never have gotten because you're on in the show and like yourself. Sometimes we can't even grab you because. You're away and gone. And, you know, it's a perfect example of, you know, everyone's had to be home and, you know, it's been great to be able to grab some people that, you know, we never would have maybe gotten or, you know, been able to spend a little more time and and make our shows a little longer. And like you said, you would never have had time to do 65 webinars. There's no way. I've never gotten these people because they would have all been busy and not home. Right. I mean, that's right. the bottom line. And so right. they, their information would have been squirreled away in some little pocket of the world instead of out there for everybody to appreciate and enjoy and learn from. And mm-hmm. um, and so, you know, it, we I think we just have to keep looking at what opportunity does this pandemic present to us, even if change is hard. You know, people, it's so interesting watching when I teach riding clinics and offer them an opportunity to change. And some people are immediately embracing it and other people have to think about it and ponder about it. And other people are like much more skeptical and have to, you know, really weigh it in a bit. Um, But here we're given that opportunity to have the time to reflect, to ponder, to consider, to daydream. Because they say that our brain learns best, you know, processes in daydreaming, right? Um, and that's what I do. I go out in my garden when I've been on the computer for too many hours and I, and I go out there and weed and plant and be with, I post my pictures on Facebook and everybody loves the photos of my, my flowers. And, um, Felicitas has a great garden too, by the way. <laughs> yes, but, we were talking to her about it. Yeah. She is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I wish I'm laughing. More time <laughs> to do her flowers. Yeah. I wish I was a good gardener, Wendy. Someday we'll have you come in. We'll play with all the all your toys, and then you'll show me. But I'm I'm pretty pretty bad at that particular thing. It's okay. We all have our specialties, right? Yeah, exactly. And I'm exactly. sure you have some other way of finding, you know, like to go and recharge. And you know, and having people talk about vagal nerve and and vagal nerve and horses and people is the same. And one of its big questions is, am I safe? That's the number one question that Vegas needs to answer. And when you think about a horse going into a strange environment, its number one question is, am I safe? And if it's not safe, the horse isn't going to learn. It's not going to process. It's not going to be with you. It's, you know, you're going to struggle. And so that's part of what we get to learn right now is how do we make ourselves feel safe? And by that, how how do we let our horses feel safe with us? And this is one of the things that I see over and over with Surefoot is that when you do Surefoot with your horse, when you offer them pads, they suddenly go, wow, that was really nice. Can I be with you? You know, like so many people are so amazed at how quickly horses just want to be with me. But I've made them feel safe and I haven't threatened them and I've given them a voice and I allowed them to choose. And suddenly the horse is like, oh, cool, you know, and then they find balance and they stand and they're quiet and they're relaxed because they want to feel safe and okay, just like we do. And that's one of the things that's happening with the pandemic is in the beginning, nobody felt safe, right? I mean, it was like, really, you know, is is everybody in the world infected and am I going to get it and am I going to die? 
That was kind of the number one question. But now yeah. we've lived with it for a little while. And we're starting to realize, okay, we have to take precautions. And you know, there's some basic safety things we have to do. Keep our distance, wear a mask in public. But we're starting to learn to live with it and feeling a little safer. And that's why people are getting out more and, and, um, and doing more things. But, you know, it's so important to recognize that that's the number one question our horse always has. Right. And that's why he alerts and looks around. You go to a strange place. He hears a sound. What does he do? He looks. Is it okay? Is it safe? And if we can keep reassuring that horse, you're good. You're fine. You're with me. It's okay. You're safe. They let down. They relax. They perform. They train. They don't, you know, have stress problems. And so I think it's a, this, again, it's an opportunity for us to realize what it must feel like for our horses when they don't feel safe and how we've reacted in this whole pandemic and different people react in different ways. Some get depressed, some get excited, some get stressed, some get angry. Um, it's just like horses. They all have different emotions and how they express that not feeling safe anxiety. Um, yeah. But it, it gives us a moment to reflect and to go, wow, you know, may, maybe that's what my horse feels when I take him to a strange place and he has to alert and, you know, snort and stand there with his eyes bugged out. And what can I do to help him feel safe? That's the number one question. I love it. I love it. So, Wendy, how can our listeners find your webinars? Because uh, they're so amazing. I need to go also and, and watch some more. How can they find it? Okay. So, to watch the webinars, just go to the Surefoot Equine YouTube channel. If you subscribe, you're going to get a notice every time we put up a video. To join the webinars live, what you do is you go to the Surefoot Equine uh website. So surefootequine.com. And there's a calendar on the right hand side and you click on the date and you get a little box with a picture and you click on that box and it expands and there's a register button right there. So you can register to be on the webinars live and you'll get a notice from Zoom that the webinar is coming up and join us live. And when you're live, you can ask questions in the chat and it's great. We have, you know, I, I tend to hold questions if I'm letting my speaker speak for a little while, but then I try to get all the questions in before the end of the webinar. And, you know, we don't have a time constraint, you know, it's supposed to be an hour, but like I said, well, it's almost <laughs> two and a half hours um, because I really feel it's important to let the speaker get their information out. So we love having people join live. We, I just love getting the questions and interaction from, from our audience. Um, but, you know, a lot of people are watching it afterward because, now that things are starting to open up a bit more, you're not always able to join live. And I roll the time of different webinars throughout the day because I'm trying to catch Europe and Australia, and that doesn't work at the same time zone. But And sometimes I throw them up on Facebook Live, like uh, the one I did today with Nick Barker, who's over in the UK, and she's uh, rehabbing horses from tendon injuries and that sort of thing. Um, fascinating, fascinating lady. I've never actually met her in person. Um, and I just pop it up on Facebook live. So I, I either do that on the Surefoot Equine Facebook page or the Murdoch method page, depending on the topic. Um, I switch around a little bit, but, um, you can also find the links on, on Facebook. And, um, and if you want to wow. buy any Surefoot products, just go to sh the MurdochMethod.com slash shop. So all the products are on Murdoch method because that's the store. Fantastic. Well, as always, we love having you come on and we can't wait to our webinar. We'll make sure everybody knows when it is. Yeah, and that'd be awesome. Thanks for all you do, Whitney. We love it. All right. And you guys take care and um, we'll figure out a time when we can actually get together in person. That'd be great. Yes. Done. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'll talk to you next month. And Sounds well. great. Okay. Thanks, Wendy. Bye.
Well, Phil, we've got an exciting announcement from Total Saddlefit. What what do you have for us today? Well, I noticed that Total Saddlefit is now doing a 90-day trial on all of their products. So you can order something, you know, you pay for it, get it shipped to you. You don't like it after 90 days, dirty, used, not broken. You can send it back for a full refund. Wow, like if, that's you, huge. You can believe a, in a product that somebody's going to get. Like earlier, it was 30 days. We talked about that. They've just extended it. So that's three months of using, you know, girth or the Total Saddle Fit st- Stability Leathers. You can try them out and 90 days later, you don't like them, wow. send them back for the refund. Wow. I mean, and, that's, yeah, that's, awesome. that's incredible. I mean, I, I don't know a company that would, would, would do that. So this is a wonderful company run by a great guy. Um, if you have any questions or at least just look at the products, check out the products. They're not super expensive. Just head on over to www.totalsaddlefit.com. Fantastic. Well, they're a great company. So we hope you enjoy all your products. And we have a fantastic Total Saddle Fit tip of the week from Dr. Brad Tanner. Well, tonight we are honored to have Dr. Brad Tanner. He is a partner at Rudin Riddle Equine Hospital here in Lexington, Kentucky, and a board certified equine dentist. Brad, welcome to the show. Thanks, Reese, for having me. I'm really excited to be a part of the group. We are so happy to have you. You are you are actually here at my barn a couple weeks ago, and uh, we talked about having you on the show because we have never actually had a discussion with an equine dentist. We talk about bits, but we never talk about dentistry and health. So can you get us started? Just kind of 101 basics. I would love to. And it, and it was a lot of fun being at your barn. And I'm, I'm always happy to come see you guys. It's always uh, always entertaining, for sure. <laughs> yes, it but, is. Uh, I'm sorry but, about that. <laughs> and unfortunately, sometimes we find things that are a little bit abnormal. Yeah, exactly. We always talk about the normal and then the AB normal. And you, you definitely had a little bit of AB normal that day. But um, oh, you got a story the, of my life. What can I say? <laughs> Sure, a lot of your listeners are, are similar. Um, yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, kind of horse ownership 101, you know, the uh, the dentistry is a lot of times from an owner's standpoint, that's kind of your checkbox, you know, did I did I deworm my horse? Did I, you know, ABCs, what all need to be done, annual vaccines, and then somewhere in there, there's a checkbox for did I float the teeth, right? And so that's kind of the the uh, typical ownership, what, what are my responsibilities for the, uh, the horse's mouth? And so um, I guess the 101 thing is, uh, yeah, there's a boxer to check. Did I float the teeth? And, and that's all the question becomes from that is why do we float the teeth or what is that expression floating the teeth? You know, and that's, uh, I guess, easier answered by saying that the horse's teeth are always growing. You know, ours, uh, by the time we are in early adulthood, our teeth have grown all they're going to um, because we have brachiodont teeth and the hypsodont tooth of a horse continues to erupt, continues to grow throughout life. And uh, because of that, they wear away places. And we all know that top jaw is much wider than the bottom jaw. So as they chew side to side, there's some places where there's not complete wear and uh, the surface area isn't all worn away. And so they overgrow and, sh- and sharp areas form. And so the actual floating term is a term for saying more or less that we're, we're rasping or, or grinding away the sharp areas that could cause the horse pain. And so that's in a nutshell, uh, why we float their teeth. So Dr. Tanner, you know, we're lucky because, you know, again, we, we are here, we live 10 minutes from, 
so many clinics that are best in the world and we have access to you and you're, you're board certified and there's not very many people in the world like yourself, but you know, it's, it's hard to know, like there's so many different dentists out there or people that maybe call themselves dentists. How do you, how do you find the right person? If that makes sense. That's a, that's a great question. And, and you're absolutely right. I mean, I'm a veterinarian and I have residency training and, and uh, boarded veterinary specialist in the field of dentistry and oral maxillofacial surgery. And, and there's only currently 20 of us in, in this uh, country, so um, actually in the world. And so um, that you're right, there's not a lot of us, but there are a lot of people that are um, well-educated and uh, know how to perform an examination of the mouth and float teeth. And so I would tell you that a relationship is very important. You know, being able to communicate with the owner and with the trainer and the horse's needs and how the horse is performing, um, getting an accurate history and finding a person that you can, you feel like is knowledgeable in the discipline that you are performing is very, is very important um, because horses in different disciplines use their mouths and carry their riders or their carts um, uh, differently. They're asked to bend, pull, flex, um, collect in different positions. And so um, based on that, um, you know, it's nice to have somebody who, who kind of understands your world. And in this world that we're talking about tonight clearly is dressage. And so that's, there couldn't be a higher uh, ask of a horse's mouth than dressage. That's the, that's the highest ask. You know, the lowest ask is your horse out on pasture that's just out there eating grass. And then Close to that's a racehorse. And then far, far, far down is the dressage horse. So uh, find somebody who is knowledgeable in your area, I would say is really, really important. Um, their, their ability to float teeth, I'd say, is, is secondary. Uh, hopefully, that's a lot like tying your shoes. We all can tie our shoes. Um, but it's someone who can look in the mouth and identify areas that might be affecting performance or maybe are affecting pain when the horse is eating or could be a hiccup down the road and an ounce of prevention is better than a pound of cure. And so uh, a little corrective dentistry may help you in the show ring or in the backyard for that matter. Hopefully that answers your question, Reese. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, I think I think it's a great 101. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you with a question because I've dealt with a number of veterinarians. I'm married to one, <laughs> you know. So I, I come with a lot of experience and 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 a lot of different opinions. Is uh, a full sedation and speculum exam necessary for for every horse? In your opinion, this is just opinion. I understand that. Absolutely no, and I'm glad you asked me that because. You've got a lot of listeners right now that have seen dentistry done in a lot of different ways, from the rusty bucket with water and disinfectant and some hand rasp to the fanciest, most modern uh, power as equipment that has water irrigation involved in it and, and everything in between. And uh, my answer to you is you can float teeth with a horse awake or asleep, but a better question is, can you perform an examination with the horse awake? And I would say that's a challenge. You know, if you want to truly see all 24 cheek teeth that are back beyond the front lips that are out of view, then you have to use a bright headlamp. You have to use a mouth speculum to open the mouth. 
and you have to have a cooperative patient. And so those are just facts, you know. Um, so in my mind, if I'm going to float teeth at the barn where I was at Reese's Beautiful Barn, then um, I want to be able to leave that stall and be able to tell the owner, the trainer, that I've looked at every surface of every tooth in that mouth and that it's, it's void of any decay, void of any cavities, void of any clinical crown fractures, um, the oral soft tissue structures of the, of the mucosa, of the lips, the gums, the hard palate, soft palate, tongue are all in check and in good, good wear and uh, that there are no problems. And the only way I feel that I can do that effectively is with sedation and a mouth speculum. So I guess for me, it would be a necessity. Yes. Good, good answer. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and again, we're talking about being very specific and, you know, again, when Dr. Tanner comes, it's usually because, you know, we're seeing a problem or, you know, the vets are like, mm, I don't like the way his jaw's moving, you know? So it's really, again, we, we, we're able to get, you know, Dr. Tanner to come, but he also does regular dentistry. And this was one of the things we saw. So this is a question for me, like how often should you really be getting your horse's teeth done? You know, I'm glad you asked that question because it's going to be different for every horse and every discipline. Um, and so I'll, I'll answer it a couple ways. If you've got a horse out on pasture that is out grinding and grazing at free will, um, statistically speaking, that horse will graze preferentially for 16 hours a day. That's a lot of chewing. That's a lot of chewing. They wear their teeth away pretty darn well. And their requirements for me or another dentist to float their teeth are relatively low. So once a year is very good for that horse. Now, if you have a horse that is in a more stable situation, that's in a lot of work, that horse is eating, you know, beautiful, nice, balanced diets that are higher in concentration. And it may be the most beautiful haze available but they're still eating uh, far less than chewing far less than 16 hours a day. So with that in mind, they're not wearing their teeth away, but they're continuing to grow at the same rate. So those horses need to be floated more frequently. Now, as far as how often, you know, the horses that are in, in work 12 months out of the year, which is, you know, our, our, a lot of our population or a lot of the population that I see, uh, I recommend that they're floated every six months or at least checked every six months. I was, I was just going to have a question about um, young horses and, you know, maybe you've, you have a foal or, you know, is everything good? Okay. Until you decide you want to back them at three years old or, you know, what's, what's the requirement on, on, on the younger guys? That's a great question. And, you know, it, uh, I'd say the common thing I see is that um, I'm first introduced to them around the time that a, that a bit's going to go in their mouth. It seems like that's a lot of times when I get the first call is, hey, we're, we're going to start breaking soon once you come out and let's float their teeth so we'll know that the problem's between the ears and not where the bit's making contact, you know, and those, on those young horses that are green. I would say a better choice would probably be just to watch their their occlusion as they're growing. You know, those young horses, it's not uncommon to have overbites, underbites, kind of uh, teeth growing in at unusual angles sometimes. And so uh, if we see those, there are corrective procedures we can do on them when they're falls um, and as they're maturing. Um, as far as how often to float young horses, 
I don't recommend floating before they're a year old. Um, it would be very unusual for us to do that. But uh, once they're one year old, it's it's nice to get an examination to make sure all the teeth are growing in properly, and they will be quite sharp at one year of age. Um, so uh, once a year, floating once a year at one year of age uh, until they're starting their training, I think would be my my uh, recommendation for the owners. And then okay. checking for caps and stuff and the new and the new teeth growing in correctly. Uh, that is correct because you've got those 24 cheek teeth in the back that are all going to grow in and uh, 12 of those are going to have caps that are going to need to come off. And of course, the 12 incisors in the front will also have uh, caps that need to come off. So those will happen. And the incisors you can see happening as an owner by just raising the front lips up. Farther back, you, you can't see that process between the ages of two and five years of age. So um, an oral exam will give you an indication if things are happening like you want them to. And, and kind of talking, staying on the young horses, you know, I think the question is like with a bit, you know, should you go fatter? Should you go thinner? What are your kind of feelings with when you first start to bit a horse? Because that's really an important time, right? It's a super important time. You know, and I would say, I'll answer this from the dentist side of things because mm -hmm. it really is, is a, it's a relationship between the trainer and the, or, or rider, that horse's mouth. And then my job is to try to give that trainer and rider some insight maybe that they haven't noticed of what's inside that mouth. Some of these horses have a, a really shallow palate. So if you're riding a curb, you know, if you're riding a, excuse me, if you're riding like a, a ported bit that maybe has a higher port, well, the, any contact at all is going to be quite uncomfortable. Some of these horses have really sharp bars. So the, the, the parts of the, uh, where, the, where the bit's making contact right along the mucosa uh, prior to the lips, some of those bars, the bone can be quite narrow, almost like a steep rooftop or, or steeple. And when that's the case, a thinner bit is going to make is going to have less surface area to contact the bone. So then all of the signal, all of that cue with the hands and the bit that go through that lever action of the, of the bit is going to be transferred to a very small piece of bone. And you'll get periostal reaction, you'll get bony spurs that can form in those situations. So during that examination I was describing earlier, you know, your fingers are going in and you're feeling all those uh, bony structures, all that mucosa that's touching anywhere the bit could contact, obviously the lip commissures. So hopefully I've effectively dodged your question, Reese, <laughs> and not <telling laughs> whether it's a fat bit or a skinny bit. It, it really is horse to horse. I, I'll say the things that make horses uncomfortable are, you know, uh, excessive pressure in one particular area of the mouth. Some horses are not tolerant of a lot of pressure over the tongue. That's where a single break snaffle works great because it houses the tongue, transfers the pressure to the lips and the bars. Other horses, you know, their tongues hard as a rock. It doesn't bother them, but they're sensitive, you know, along a bar. And so uh, you start looking for um, other alternatives. And uh, if you can pinpoint the source of discomfort, it makes playing that guessing game a little bit easier because you know, I know Reese and all of the other trainers that you guys have got a tack room full of every bit <laughs> a stash yeah. ever made. <laughs> and it's like, well, what are we going to try next? So yeah. uh, 
sometimes a, a, just a, a good conversation and a good examination may get you headed the right direction. And obviously, bit fitting is a whole nother science. And I'm not, I'll, I'll be quite frank and, and forward. That, that's a science that I'm still looking to get into. Yeah. And, and I think all of us, even as trainers, it's, it's, it's bit fitting is, is a new and up and coming science or, or way to do things. And we certainly try to, to find the most comfortable bits as always. Um, and, and everybody check out our Hamspringer bit. We Vivian Schmidt comes on and we have had some great conversations about bits. So we, we have covered that a little bit here in the radio show. Uh, but it is, it's, it's so difficult, but it is good to know, you know, that's, that's kind of your role as well. You can come in and check and see if the horses are having cuts or we had a horse here and it was actually really sad. Um, you were here last week and we had a horse that they were really trying to give routine care to, but unfortunately the vet missed it or, or something happened where it wasn't picked up. So, but we've really helped that horse out a lot by doing just having you float the horse's teeth. So how do you, you know, you, those, those poor owners were so upset. So where do you kind of take that information and say, how do you know if, if the horse is well, if the care has been good? Is that, if that's the question? Yeah. And I can get straight to the, straight to that, the details of that particular case. These owners were just a beautiful horse, um, very well cared for horse owners, couldn't love it anymore. Uh, young rider and uh, and a doting mother, and and uh, we opened the mouth up, and this particular horse had uh, cuts and scrapes down the mucosa all the way back alongside the cheek teeth. The cheek teeth were quite sharp, and then along the lip commissures, where the normal folds form as you place your bit in the mouth, there were abrasions and wear marks, and so the horse clearly had been having some uh, discomfort. And, and uh, you know, the first thought from an owner is, "Oh no, I've I've neglected my animal. I've I've not been a good owner." And and you could see that on their faces immediately when I showed that to them. And and I said, "How how could you have known this? You know, you you can't open that horse's mouth up and look in there. You're going to lose a finger. You know, that's that's not a sure. that's not something you you can look and do. All you can do is try to prevent this. And and that's one of the ways you the best way to prevent that is just a, a good examination annually or or biannually um, and floating and then the next thing is obviously your more experienced riders are going to start picking up on you know head tossing head rolling trying to get under the bit behind the bit you know each horse shows different signs of mouth fatigue or mouth discomfort you know some horses have a real dry mouth and they just don't salivate the way they need to and, and that's really uncomfortable for them you know we've we found a lot of there's a lot of bits that are kind of become more plastic and different types of materials rubber that maybe don't generate the salivation as the metal bits and the sweet coppers and those that have little lollies and rollers and crickets. There's all these different terms, but but a lot of those sweeter irons cause the horse to salivate a little bit more and that's much more comfortable for them. So, uh, you know, it's, um, that particular horse, uh, I know he ate better that night, and I'm certain he rode better the next day because these are these are easy fixes. You know, I, I tried to share that with the owners. This is you're not a bad owner at all. You didn't know. Um, now we've equipped you with the information you need, and you can make the change. So, Brad, I'm gonna wade into the weeds a little bit here because of uh, kind of my life experience in 
in owning and riding horses in Canada, like North America, versus riding and working for somebody in Europe. But in my experience, horse dentistry is treated a bit differently in Europe. Is is that also something that you've picked up on, or is it just my limited experience in working in Europe? You know, that's... <laughs> yeah, okay. You know, this yeah, no, is all opinion-based, and yeah, no, no, I'm I sorry can... for giving you a hard one, yeah. <laughs> that's but <fine>. people... <laughs> impo- okay, let's put it this way. People importing horses... Yes. In my opinion, the first thing you should do is get a get a dentist. Check their out. teeth. So I will yeah. say this: I see. I don't know the percentage of the imported horses that come through Lexington, Kentucky, but it's very high. And I and I will say this: yes, I absolutely agree with you. The the overwhelming majority, we're talking above eighty five percent of them. I open their mouth and I say, "Wow, I, I'm not sure when this horse was last floated." You know, or if, you know, and these horses may already be four or five, six years old that are, you know, well-started horses. Some of them are horses that are a little bit more proven and you know they've been performing um, and you wonder how they've been performing because their teeth are quite sharp, you know, well, well overgrown. Um, now I will say this, I have some very, very good friends in the international community that are, uh, veterinarians and dentists like myself that are in Germany and in England and in a few other European countries. And they, uh, they practice at an incredibly high level. And so there are a lot of professionals there that are very driven and, and very committed to excellence in the equine oral health, uh, field. Um, but, uh, some of these horses, uh, some of these don't get the annual exams and, and it's not a, a part of their routine the way they are maybe in, in North America. Yeah. So yeah, I, th- I think I, it's an old school approach to horse mm-hmm. training and horses in general that sort of has pervaded, you know, in, in European horse culture, I think, or, I mean, I, I don't know why it's just, I, I've noticed that, that, uh, we're a little bit, we're more keen maybe in, uh, in in Canada and America to, to you know to make the phone call to the to the whether it's a dentist or a chiropractor or you know this horse whole horse care approach to to being a little bit more towards trying to find health answers to to problems well Dr. Tanner, we can't thank you so much for your time tonight and coming on and and discussing this. This is such a big topic, but we hope we at least kind of gave some information, some basics to everyone. And and if our listeners have questions or want to find you um, at Rudin Riddle, how can they do that? Feel free to contact me at uh, info at rudinriddle.com and uh, be happy to answer any questions that they have. Uh, We'll get back with them as as quickly as we can and always excited to talk about equine dentistry and always to speak happy to speak with you reese so happy uh, <laughs> happy you invited me to to be a part of this yeah thanks so much and uh, we'll see you in a couple more months here at Maplecrest for sure thanks so much thank you well phil how is week eight of dressage rider training going for you i have to be honest about it this week i've been busy running around <laughs> this morning I did the yoga. It's I mean I always the yoga this week. I don't have good. a problem. Yeah, I don't have a problem doing the yoga because it's really can help me get ready for my day. And you know uh, I was doing a I had a long drive today, so did the yoga first thing in the morning just to stretch it all out, get feeling good, jump in the car, driving five hours. I mean that w- that was awesome. But 
I'm going to have to, over the next couple of days, do the strength and the, and the, uh, <laughs> the core program. I know. I, I, I also, I really enjoy yoga. I, I do it every day now. So I, I do that first thing in the week. And then I'm like, by Thursday, I'm like, oh, I got to do the core. I got to do the strength. So no, I hear you. I feel you. Great programs are pre- usually pretty easy to run in your day, like 20 minutes. Yeah, boom, it's 20 minutes. Know. Absolutely. Feeling yep. great. Yeah. Just, <laughs> I'm a little slow this week. Sorry. I, I like the yoga. The yoga is my, my favorite of the week. So I start with that, but I'm also, I got to do the core and the fitness. So I hear ya. I got, I'm right there with you. I did. I've done the yoga twice actually, cause I enjoyed this week. So we hope you guys are doing well on the dressage rider training. If, um, you, you, uh, just don't know what we're talking about. We started this program together as a community when we're all, we were on lockdown, uh, dressage rider training program is out, um, Australia, right, Phil? Or New, New Zealand. Zealand? New Zealand. And Nicholas Smith, Smith is from New awesome. Zealand. Yeah. Her mm-hmm. accent is 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 wonderful. Oh, she's so her. cool. Yeah. Yeah. She's so, so friendly. Uh, Sometimes you hate her, not gonna lie. But <laughs> when you're doing the video, you're saying bad words to Nicola. But it's yeah. a fantastic program. And um, we hope you can join us. And uh, we love the email and Facebook shout outs that are coming on people that are doing it. We really appreciate it. We, we really enjoy it. Catherine and Nancy. We love you guys. We're shouting out to you guys this week, uh, but we really appreciate it. So uh, keep them coming. And if you have any more uh, Facebook or, or emails, uh, feel free to send them to us. As always, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. You can reach me best probably through Facebook or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a show. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down, your shoulders back, and stay well. And we look forward to talking with you next week. 